freedom and censorship can't exist in the same world. And that's true whether it's the government or private corporations who do the censoring. Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, and welcome to the Coleman Nation podcast. It's a show where I sit down with guests to discuss the future of free expression and thought in our interconnected world. Here, we will focus on issues involving social media, cancel culture, and free expression that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Hey, culminators. This is one of our few but well-justified repeat appearances. And in a way it is, in a way it isn't, because when we had, the last time we had a Dan Hall on, that we weren't doing video yet. And to, you know, to know Dan is to listen to him, but to listen to him and look at him at the same time is a different experience altogether. And uh, Dan Hall, of course, the outstanding lawyer with a gazillion experiences, and he's having some pretty wild ones now, a person who has had a very profound political curve over his life. Um, Dan, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. I'm good. Thanks for asking me, and um, thanks for all the advance notice. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sometimes there are people who are harder to get on than you, and sometimes they can't make it. So I, 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 I like being second choice, too. Um, but, but, but let the record reflect. You and I talked on Monday about just this, and we talked about Friday possibly being the day. So this is the day. Great to have you on. You've got some interesting stuff to tell us about some of your recent work, and I think it's going to end up being pretty topical. So jump into it. But first, take a drag, because your voice can't get any... Thanks again for coming. And, and the truth is, when I called you the other day, you said, Dan, God damn it, can't you, can't you say I'm busy? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the, the reason that um, um, it's what, December 17th and January 6th was when it was January 6th. And it has occurred to me, um, even while this is a, a sort of a joint project for all Americans, prosecution, defendants, everybody. This is not something that we want to happen again, the way it happened or even anywhere close to what happened. But I'm, I'm a little concerned that the um, politics of this, to a certain extent, maybe, uh, especially the cultural aspect of it, may be overwhelming the facts. Well, let's take a step back. What is your involvement? You say that everyone's in on this, and you could have mentioned Congress too. What's your involvement? I represent... Um, um, one of the, uh, <clears throat> the leaders uh, of the Proud Boys. And he's not an alleged leader. He, he actually was a leader, uh, but he was doing on January 6th with some other Proud Boys what Proud Boys usually do, and that is march to the Capitol, have your picture taken, march down back the hill, and uh, take a nap and maybe get ready to drink some beers. And um, there have been... Um, is that why well, I'm sorry, Dan. It, don't you have another client? I have a client in the congressional investigation. Um, I, ah, okay. Um, that's uh, Henry Terrio. Okay. A good friend of Biggs and who was, of course, not here on January 6th. Biggs is, a, Joe Biggs is the first client you just referred to. Joe, Joe Biggs is a, um, um, a Florida resident and uh, Purple Heart winner, um, former Army sergeant with tours of uh, 
duty in both uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, who is uh, 37 years old. And Henry Terrio is uh, the same age and uh, also a, rel uh, excuse me, a resident of uh, Florida, uh, Miami. And he is serving out the last three weeks right now of his uh, incarceration for um, allegedly uh, burning a flag, burning a Black Lives Matter flag um, or banner uh, here in Washington, D.C. on December 12th of last year. Now, is, is the, was the gravamen of that offense the fact that it was not his to burn? I mean, pretextually, notwithstanding, but you can't prosecute someone for flag burning. That's been well established, right? I mean, this. What he did, there were two offenses. One was having a magazine and it was empty uh, for a, um, uh, a firearm that um, he was caught with, I guess, at the airport. And then secondly, the, on the, uh, the burning of the flag was, what he, what he did was cop to, if you will, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think he did it. I don't think anybody thinks he did it, but he copped to um, uh, the burning of the flag sort of from, you know, well, you know, I don't have a big problem with that. I'm burning the flag. He does not have a problem with Black Lives Matter um, uh, movement in general, generically, like a lot of us would. But I think it's fair to say that, that Terrio has a huge problems with uh, the organization as it's existed since um, 2013, what it's done and what it really is. And we can, that can be the, the, the subject of, of another show, but um, Terrio and Biggs both have also been sued in four civil lawsuits, um, three or four civil lawsuits. I, I, I have trouble keeping track. And um, one of the things that's really obvious to me as, as time goes on is that um, even while there, there have been um, very aggressive and I think good faith in most cases, uh, efforts to do discovery, uh, do the work by the FBI and by DOJ, that the gravamen of, of, of a lot of what's going on, both in terms of the civil cases and the criminal cases, is that there was this conspiracy, or if you will, series of conspiracies. I think it's um, pretty obvious to everyone, including the Department of Justice uh, and Reuters and New York Times, that there was no conspiracy or plan to do anything. Um, there was uh, a group of people who were not associated with any of the uh, groups like uh, Proud Boys or uh, Oath Keepers who, who, did, who were near the Capitol, around the Capitol, uh, when it was breached, but it was breached by people who were very upset about something. I think you could probably uh, refer to them as Trump normies, but this was not a, a coordinated uh, effort to do anything. And so far as we know, um, by way of you know stopping the certification of the Harris uh, Biden uh, vote, it just there's just nothing. There. And and I, I do give I do give. Uh, the Justice Department, there are 700 people who have been charged with criminal defenses, excuse me, criminal offenses. I do give them um, a lot of leeway to, to investigate this and some time, and they're still arresting people and charging people uh, for the first time even this week. But um, there's some, come a certain point where you have to say to yourself that while people might have had different agendas at the last minute about what they could do 
going up Capitol Hill. There was no plan. There was no conspiracy. And um, at, at best, there was sort of a let's throw let's throw things up against the wall, maybe on the part of the White House and see what happened. Um, and, and by that, I'm, I'm talking about Trump's speech. But I have a, a client, Joe Biggs, who's been incarcerated since April 22nd for future dangerousness. And future dangerousness um, presupposes that you will do something like this again. So in, in, in essence, they're saying that Joe Biggs and his three co-defendants um, who, who have been talked about as leaders of the Proud Boys uh, that day are um, dangerous because they may do something or commandeer something like this again, which is ridiculous which is just like, which is insane. And everybody else, everybody knows it's insane, but there was enough there from the kinds of things they were saying in the very beginning. And uh, certain arguments made by the uh, uh, Justice Department to convince a very good judge uh, who's uh, overlooking the criminal part of this, in my case, Biggs, to keep these guys in jail. And there, that was uh, reaffirmed. There's been two motions to, uh, uh, Dismiss. Hail. And that was oh, on a, okay. Yeah. On Tuesday. Sorry, I didn't mean to be um, talk too much or. Uh, I'm want you to talk, Stan. You're the, you're the guy with the stuff that people want to hear today. Well, um, and um, feel free to, to drive me in one direction or another, um, as you're good at. But um, there was there was no conspiracy to do anything that day. I mean, I've been I've, I've seen as many as as many i've seen the tapes that everyone else can see put it that way including some that not everyone else can see but just based on the ones that the public can see that um, um, most people can see uh, they may have come up from the new york times or may come come from uh, uh, some people who are along with the proud boys it's really a long walk to say there was a conspiracy to do anything. Now, I, I get why you'd want to plead conspiracy. I think I probably would too. But if I were the Justice Department, I think I would have dropped it by now. Um, uh, there was no conspiracy. And the problem with the conspiracy charge is it's a link to this obstruction, uh, this sort of new form of obstruction of a, an official proceeding with Congress, which a, a couple of judges already have now said is fair game, a new application, a novel application of the obstruction statutes called, it's uh, 5112, 5112C, but it is, uh, it's, it is a new thing and it's getting lots of leeway because this was January 6th and everything about January 6th is different. People don't want it to happen again. I mean, even people who are involved in, who made the mistake of uh, going past the barriers that day. Uh, who made the uh, mistake of going onto the Capitol grounds that day, think that maybe they made a mistake doing that. Certainly they trespassed. There was no First Amendment right to do anything once you go past those barriers, which were extended both on the East Lawn and the West Lawn. But um, uh, it wasn't First Amendment, but it, it wasn't First Amendment speech and activity, but it was at the most uh, trespass. In some cases, not in the case of any of my clients or anybody that I'm that I know is a legitimate proud boy. Um, in the case of some people, there there were, there was violence. There was, you know, banging on cops, banging on other people. 
um, going in and out of the Capitol, breaking things. Um, my guys weren't involved with that kind of thing, but they, they, did, they did trespass, my guys being just bigs. And that's trespass and that's fine, but it hardly uh, rises to the level of conspiracy or obstruction of a proceeding, especially under the circumstances, which are completely a public record at this point, of the Proud Boys. Proud Boys, what they do is they, this is their fourth march um, uh, since, uh, since July 4th of uh, when they did, when they were in Washington on January 6th, excuse me, and they, when they go in, what they do is anywhere they go, they march around. These guys are hams, they're a social club, as you know, they were started by a uh, comedian. Uh, they're uh, a little bit theatrical, a little bit loose with rhetorical devices, but there's nothing racist about them, nothing white nationalist. Or far right. I mean, the, the narrative has been absolutely just picked up by the media. Uh, far right, extremist, racist. None, there's no there is no support for any of that. There's no support for any of that, except to the extent that groups like this, uh, like people aren't always sure of. It's like being on Twitter. People think, you know, if you have a right wing view on Twitter, they go, oh, uh, Dan Hall, I'm a racist and Dan Hall must be a racist, too. Um, and, and they don't get it <laughs> in the group and, and try to, and then they get mad at you and they find out you're not a white nationalist or a racist. The Proud Boys are very much, are very, uh, very much a cultural group. And Dan, Holt, just let's take a, a breath yeah. here. For those who did not listen to our first podcast and shame on them, we've only republished it about 15 times each since we did it. You're a lifelong Republican, right? Yeah, I am. Um, I grew up with Republicans and I studied them for many years, but, um, and I, I worked on Capitol Hill for Republican, but I've spent most of my, my uh, life as a, uh, a kind of moderate, pragmatic Democrat. Um, and I did not vote for Trump the first time, I voted for Trump the second time. There's nothing terribly ideological about me, as you and I have discussed before. Mm -hmm. And um, there shouldn't be anything that ideological about what happened on January 6th, but it's been tortured into, you know, uh, the forces of evil and the forces of good. And get back to what you were saying, there's nothing far right about the Proud Boys. Um, the response to that is, oh, that's Stan Hall and other people kind of, you know, hiding behind these things that they say they really are. They're not. They're a social club. They're started by a comedian. They, they, they started out. Uh, as a, a cultural response to a lot of things that were happening in the United States. They're all women, excuse me, all men uh, group. Uh, you can't be a woman to be in the group, but you know, they have, they have um, you just have to be an anatomically correct from the standpoint of what that, that has meant traditionally um, to be in the group. So you can be, you know, Jewish, black, uh, gay, Muslim, you can, you can be anything. But it is, it is a social club. It's a new social club. And like most clubs or most organizations, it attracts a lot of different kinds of people, some of whom don't get it. But the, but the rank and file of, uh, uh, of the leadership and the people who have been uh, important in the chapters will tell you, first people will tell you, that was not the way to do January 6th. People should not have gone up the hill. If I went up the hill, I screwed up. And even Enrique Terrio said that he would never have uh, uh, if he had been there, he would have been, I, I think he would probably tell you, not to put words in his mouth, but I think he'd probably tell you he would have stopped that in a second. And I think he's told uh, Newsweek and CNN 
he didn't think there was a stolen election and he thought that the, the uh, really yeah yeah he, he that he, yeah he didn't he didn't think, he, he said like i think a lot of people thought it was a little odd that a guy that you know uh never uh uh seemed to campaign um you know and who didn't and who didn't win a single primary to let everyone else quit <laughs> and and then yeah, there was there was there was there's some odds i i thought it was a little odd just like you know democrats and and certain people uh in the uh, in the uh clinton biden camp thought that uh you know november 2016 was a odd, but um i don't think even that said i i, I don't know anyone that uh, I'm associated with on a day-to-day -day basis in this case, and I'm sort of living and breathing this event, these cases, um, uh, whatever you want to call them, that thinks that there was a steal. I think there were some odd things, and they, and they were, I think they were angry with the result and said some things that they probably shouldn't have said, but um, they, I don't think they think there was a steal. And I, and I do think that um, I don't have any but he's arguing with me, but at this point, but I don't know anyone. Every once in a while, somebody will come to me and say, hey, I'm a friend of uh, Joe Biggs, or I'm a friend of Enrique Terrio. I was just, you know, exercising my First Amendment rights that day. And I said, stop it right now, you weren't. Once you went past those barriers, there's no First Amendment rights. You can go right up to the Capitol and yell at it. You can do certain things, but if you knew or should have known where it says, don't come here, and the Capitol, which I know pretty well, Capitol Grounds is rarely staked off. It's rarely staked off from the, on the east side or the west side. But that day, because of the events of the summer and security concerns uh, about both the left and the right, Antifa, you know, things being burned down um, by Antifa in Washington, uh, things, uh, fights that broke out between Antifa and uh, other groups, it, there was some concern that. Uh, on a constitutional day, if you will, January 6th, we're going to make the perimeter bigger than ever, and you can't come up here. So you're basically, they basically stopped the perimeter of the property on both the uh, uh, foot of the hill and the back end of the hill, which is uh, the, uh, the west lawn, but, or east lawn, rather. But it was pretty clear, if you were there, and I've seen tapes of this. I was I was at the ellipse, but I didn't go to the uh, up to the Capitol because I had to work like some of us. And I remember that you know from watching the tapes, which is really interesting. You can see that people are deciding whether to follow up these Trump normies up the hill. They went up the hill first. I didn't see anybody in tactical gear. There may have been. But uh, there was a decision to do that, and it wasn't the best decision. And I think some people knew what that decision you know, meant. It meant, at a minimum, they were trespassing. And they were. They screwed up. Um, but beyond that kind of- and People have to understand, like they say things, but it's the people's house. It's the, it, yeah, it's the people's house. That's symbolic, OK? It's the, it, it belongs to the United States government, which you may or may, regardless of what you feel your relationship is with the United States government, it, you're not entitled to walk into the White House or the Capitol or the, you know, the Dirksen office building or any any federal building, and just make yourself comfortable or hang yeah. out. Yeah, like it's a museum or something. What's really interesting to me is with a, with a couple of exceptions, uh, and Biggs is one of them. Uh, Biggs is one of them. 
I can't find anybody who'd ever been there before. I mean, there were actually people there, not a lot, who didn't know what it was. Some people thought it was a White House. It was as if it was just another museum on the mall, and it's not. And yes, it's the people's house, but the people's house, especially on a quote, constitutional day, even for a ceremonial event, especially after the summer and fall of 2020, they can, you know, they can cordon the place off. And it was very obvious. It wasn't like there was, you know, uh, if you look at the, the pictures of the perimeters, it was not a closed, tall fence or anything like that with a moat. <laughs> it was just- that, the, Yeah, that came later. That, that, it just, no, it was just, it was just kind of like, you know, to a person with an of average intelligence said, don't come up here today. <laughs> don't come up here today. Don't come up to the Capitol today. Um, there were there were cops around, not a whole lot of them, um, but a, a, a charge up that hill uh, was um, certainly like planned for, but not necessarily anticipated. And it wasn't hard to get through the barriers. But I think it's really important to note that the people who did tra traverse those barriers and did it, um, they weren't running up the hill or charging or storming, but I've seen tapes of, that everybody can see of the Proud Boys sitting down and having lunch. <laughs> Proud Boys go up the hill, they take their pictures, they do their hammy things. They had this woman who's been working on a documentary who uh, was recently in the news, who's a, a fairly serious Democrat who, who likes a couple of the Proud Boys or seems to think that they have been um, misinterpreted in a lot of ways. So she goes up and they take pictures and they do the thing that you see with Joe Biggs doing the, they say, Joe, do, uh, do your uh, war face. I really wish he hadn't done it, but he did it. And it's like every third picture you see, is, this is Joe Biggs about to storm the Capitol. Um, that picture was taken on the other, right in front of the Supreme Court before any of this stuff happened. And it was just kind of the goofy things that they do a lot of the time. Do the Proud Boys, not to digress here, but the Proud Boys have some serious ideas? Sure, they have some serious ideas about, about uh, doing good works. They have uh, serious ideas about culture, what it should be in America, or at least what kinds of ideas can be discussed. Do they have ideas about um, um, you know, Antifa? They don't like Antifa. The, that, that Antifa what came after they, they became a group five years ago, but and if you ask a Proud Boy whether or not they would engage Antifa at night, uh, at a certain point, not during the day, uh, at night, if they, the Antifa seemed to be threatening or actually hurting Trump normies, in other words, non-Proud Boys, non-groups, non they'd say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, 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 we'll be their security force. And with very few exceptions, they have been defensive, uh, they have been on, uh, uh, you know, sort of very restrained. And one of the things that people don't get about this whole thing on, on January 6th was the reason the Proud Boys were marching around incognito and with, with uh, uh, if you will, out of colors and also with um, uh, walkie-talkies was, was not to make their... Uh, obstruction of Congress or the conspiracy or the march up the hill, you know, um, more effective, it was to avoid Antifa. On December 12th, four members of the Proud Boys had been stabbed by an Antifa. Only the Washington Post even mentioned it a little bit, and they sort of made it sound like it was Proud Boys' fault. These guys were 
were were in uh, not in great numbers that day. They stayed very close together. They were uh, out of uniform uh, in terms of you know the kinds of print prairie shirts and things they usually wear. You could you could tell who they were every once in a while because they would you know if you were near them they'd say yeah we're crowd boys. But the idea was to stay close together. The group moving through, uh, moving up along you know, the capital of Proud Boys, they were out early. They didn't listen to Trump's speech. They did what they always do, which is go to the front of the capital, which is the real front of the capital for some people is the east side by the Supreme Court. Um, this is that this is that picture, right? That you're talking about. Yes, that's it. That's that's the picture. And that picture is out. Look at that, everybody. That is not too far from, you know, um, East Capitol Street. So this is exactly the picture you're talking about. But this was part of the fun and games before they went back down the hill to the right and went over by the uh, Department of Labor. And there's lots of films. Sure. This is not a theory. And no, and I've, I've taken picture. I've taken this view of the Capitol while standing on the Supreme Court steps myself. So, so uh, no, and I've seen you on the Supreme Court. <laughs> I celebra ce celebrating a great First Amendment victory. So I, you, you, you know, you know that, er that area. But then they go back down to, in the picture would be to the right in front of the Russell Building, where I had my first job ever with the desk. Go down by the Russell Building, down past the Taft statue, and you, you're kind of you're on Constitution Avenue. You could be walking a little bit on, on uh, the grounds of the Capitol, but for the most part, you're just walking back down. So they walk back down. They're eating lunch from 30 to 45 minutes. Everybody agrees it's at least 30 minutes. And somebody comes up to um, Joe and a man, um, another one of the leaders, and say, well, what are we going to do now? He says, well, we're going to go back to the ellipse. We're going to go back to the ellipse. And right around the time that's being said, you can also see this in films, so these, these steadily marching armies of mom and pop Americans, God bless them, walking up. They've just heard it's uh, it's about one o'clock, a little bit before one, Trump has stopped and they're, they're marching up the hill. The Proud Boys are still sitting down, they're looking around and somebody you know, obviously says, what are they doing? So rather than go to the ellipse at the last minute, there's this magic moment which say, let's go over there to the edge. Let's go over there to Peace Circle, the roundabout. And, and, and they stopped and they get, tried to gather everybody. By that point, a few people that we now know were not Proud Boys who were in the group. There was a, um, there, was a um, there were people who were not Proud Boys who worked for other organizations, including the government who were in that group. But no, this was not a, a, a no. Listeners, America, this was not a Antifa operation. This was not, an FBI operation. This was the madness of crowds when people went up that hill. That's, I mean, Dan, that's, that's the sound, that's the sound bite. That's, you know, that's the, the, the thing that you're saying is, you know, uh, be, being who you are, which is a person who is, calls him like he sees him every time. It's an exaggeration, notwithstanding the FBI's obvious involvement to say the FBI created or directed the events or all of them on January 6th. It's also incredibly naive to think they had nothing to do with it. And um, sorry, I'm smoking, but you know, I'm just finishing breakfast. Um, 
Oh, you can have your scotch too. That's okay. This is an adult channel, not an adult channel. It's a channel for grownups. <laughs> um, the um, I've got to stay on track here. Um, no, you don't. The thing, the thing people have said to me, I, and I keep hearing the, the the right has gone as crazy as the left on the conspiracy theories of what's happened. Do not think that I think that it's been over politicized just on the left. It's the right too. People are saying that Antifa was there. Of course they were there. They were around. There were some people around. People were saying the FBI was there undercover, people acting like, you know, the usual FBI undercover uh, uh, hunting outfit in the middle of the mall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've seen this a few times. It's pretty good. It's another, another program. But um, the, the, uh, there were likely other, uh, undercover cops. There were lots of people around uh, doing things, and maybe they even had agendas. Maybe they wanted, but they didn't need to do anything. The crowds did that for them, then went up the hill. And unfortunately, um, um, one of my clients and a few of his uh, uh, brethren, you know, went, followed them up the hill. But I, I think it's really interesting that there, there is, uh, uh, if, if there is a cause and effect here, and I don't think you can call it a conspiracy, I didn't hear the Trump speech or remember the beginning of it, but there was something about that moment or something that he may have said that did send some people up the hill, but it didn't send people who were, you know, um, you can't get your average military, ex-military or ex-former uh, policeman to, uh, in, in a situation like that. People are used to being shot at, used to being in emergency situations to get that excited. <laughs> you know? And a lot of the Proud Boys were you know, of that ilk. And um, if you look at pictures uh, that everybody can see in movies, uh, for instance, Joe Biggs and, and one of his comrades, if you will, Joe Biggs is looking, I mean, people are going nuts. They're, they're watching up near the edge. There's some fighting, it was terrible. There were deaths, that's terrible. There were some very violent um, things going on, but Biggs and um, uh, at least one of his, uh, his uh, lieutenants or, or co-lieutenants is, is looking at his watch like they're playing uh, words with friends. They're working at their, their it's, not, it's not like something that they're all, um, they're very calm, they don't hit anybody, they walk, don't run. They're not in the capital for very long, they're not around any fighting, they don't see any fighting, there was fighting in different, there's three or four parts of the capital where different things happen. It's a relatively big building um, but a small space of, you know, ground in terms of um, uh, square area. But this is not, uh, again, you've got guys who are in scab-proof um, um, gear, which I thought was interesting. Scab-proof gear costs a little bit more, uh, and most people don't have it, than bulletproof gear. So you have people in scab-proof gear in the, you know, um, not in colors, walking up the hill, trying to avoid Antifa. Although they do say, they do say, where's Antifa at some point? You know, that kind of like uh, braggadocio threat. But that's all, they're all safe up on the hill. And they're like, in that picture you just showed me in front of the Supreme Court. Well, and, and I think one of the things, one of the reasons um, we're doing this now is that we've just got a decision, uh, sort of a double whammy on at least my, uh, my, my, the, my client, Joe Biggs, and his three co-defendants who are um, um, of great interest to the government, 
Um, they're going to be detained based on future dangerousness. And in addition to that, this particular judge, all the judges on the district court, federal district court, all very good, all different politically. This particular judge who happens to be a Trump appointee and is a very good judge has decided that he will also uphold the obstruction count of uh, the novel one uh, that's being used against uh, a lot of the players uh, who are defendants in this case. And um, that, and, and th there, there's some daylight here. We still have an opportunity to get um, uh, Biggs and, and other defendants out of jail so they can prepare for trial. I, I think this is gonna try. I, I think that the government may be making a mistake in trying to try it. They're you know, high-fiving each other a little bit now because two or three times they've gone, they've done better um, before the courts than they thought they would. And that's particularly true in our, our proceeding. But they've got a, you've got um, guys in jail with no criminal record. Uh, they're not, they're in uh, four different states who need to prepare for trial, who have an opportunity, maybe one more shot will give it. Uh, we may have to go to the district uh, circuit court to do it. We may be able to do it through Judge Kelly, who I DC Circuit, <laughs> a fair guy. We've got to get. We need to get these guys in a situation where they can actually prepare for trial. That's not going to be in any American jail. So the notion would be, you know, people go back home. They have a, uh, a temporary release that that is uh, somewhat protracted up until the time of trial. Trial at this point is for May 18th. And um, that's, that's where it looks like we're going. But um, I, I do think that, that people need to understand um, this is a joint prod. This is not, when I, when I go before these judges in this thing, uh, particularly in this one case, I don't feel like it's, you know, it, it's us against them. We all need to figure out how to do this so it won't happen again. We have to figure out whether it's fair to use obstruction statutes to um, apply to basically ceremonial or ministerial things like certification of, uh, of an electoral college vote. And we, we wanna make sure that when people, you know, protest and, and have beefs, um, you know, things are done the right way. I would imagine that there'd be a new set of laws that will be written at some point that can't be, of course, applied retroactively uh, to what happened, but you know, we need, we need some rules. And, and, and we also, at some point, despite all the civil, everybody's got a civil suit now. That's the other thing that's happening. There's been- Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's We'll talk concerning. about that in just a second. And because that's, that's just really, that just, that's frankly just annoying. Um, um, somebody has to ask the question at some point um, after we figure out whether this was a good thing to do or people did it the right way get the politics out of a little bit and say, why did this happen? Why, how did this possibly happen? Um, and no, it's not because, you know, Trump uh, 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 exhorted everyone to do this. How did it happen that we had such a divide in America that something like this could, could occur with a lot of people who on paper seem to be sane, have no criminal records. In fact, some cases have very uh, um, uh, admirable uh, resumes. And just you know, said I'm not going to take it anymore, and I'm going to march up that hill. And that's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. And I think everything um, between and how was it managed? How was that situation managed or mismanaged so profoundly 
by the people with responsibility for managing crowds in on special days in the in a very special place. That's a gigantic uh, yeah. issue. And no one wants you right now. The people who are in power do not want to touch that, obviously. Yeah, and I, I, I think, I think that this the um, um, House Committee. Uh, I would rather have been a commission, uh, but it's a you know a bipartisan commission. But the House Committee can do what it's doing and and do this inquiry. But it's highly political. Most people know that. Um, a lot of things that any House committee does is political, but this is particularly political and it's personal. And, and I, I would just like to know, you know, culturally, you know, how are we going to, you know, this, we've got to stop this war. Um, we've got to stop this war and, and the left has to keep, stop coming up with conspiracy theories that really aren't true. Uh, and to a certain extent, many on the left know they're not true. And the same on the right. People on the right um, can be as bad. And I'm uh, I, probably more frustrated talking to the people who are on the right who have this certain narrative that they expect me to adopt because of what I'm doing and the kind of work you know I'm trying to do, my firm's trying to do in you know representing the uh, reviled or whatever. These are, are for the most part people went up that hill or you know our, our uh, aunts, uncles sons, daughters, um, yes, they may have been in a lot of cases, the, the particular ones that went up the hill from certain classes, certain regions, or certain kinds of occupational niches in America. I, I haven't really seen anything to, to bring them together that way. I do know that out on the, and we've talked about this, out on the ellipse that day, this was not a, a, a there were thousands of people. I don't know what the crowd, there must, I'm not good at estimating crowds, but way more people than you would ever expect to see an event like that. And they were all happy. They weren't mad. They're were happy to be there, they're happy to be with each other. It's kind of the last party for, for Trump, I guess. But the people who went up the hill were a small subset of that. And the Proud Boys and the Oath Keeper, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, that's another thing. People have to understand that these groups are different. Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys don't even like each other. They won't work with each other. Um, they have just totally different. There's a difference between uh, a really, uh, I don't know. There's a difference between you know Frank Burns and uh, you know uh, John Belushi. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty compelling distinction. I mean, well, Dan, frankly, you, yeah, go ahead. you've been involved in politics and living mostly in D.C. for a very, very long time. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree that a non-political or even a less political truthful reckoning cannot happen in the foreseeable future i'm afraid you're right i'm an optimistic person as you know i i i just don't see it until all this uh kind of bad water runs under the bridge and you know i i, I actually thought that to get back to what i was going to mention i actually thought that we were getting to get to the point where a lot of Americans are at the point where they think, you know, these Proud Boys, if you look at what uh, people who have taken the time to read about them or find out, these Proud Boys are really not that much different in the way they look at things than I am. And um, I understand the, the madness of crowds and herd mentality, and maybe this did happen, um, you know, the way that the uh, uh, 
you know, the, the narrative, if you will, of people like Dan Hall has, is no conspiracy, no plan. Um, some very good reasons to think that the Proud Boys, because of some of their rhetoric before the election should be, you know, investigated, but that's, that's done. They're not coming up with anything. They're not coming with anything in terms of conspiracy or obstruction. This is not there. Uh, which I think it, I, I think that's makes it very difficult for the uh, the um, uh, DOJ. Um, but I, for right now, I'm sort of one of them. Will listen to this. I'd like them to be high fiving for the next three months while I get ready. But um, there have been four civil lawsuits, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. Two of which are under the. Um, uh, auspices of the Lawyers Committee under Civil Rights, uh, which I used to work for. I worked for, did some work for them one summer. Um, if that wants to, you know, if you want to confuse your listeners more about me, but it's a very good group. Um, it it um, historically, it's kind of the civil rights version of the ACLU. ACLU was great when they did speech, and I think that the Lawyers Committee under Civil Rights is great when they do just civil rights, not politics. So you've got Paul Weiss and another good firm in Philadelphia um, getting involved in that, filing civil lawsuits. So now with the District of Columbia lawsuit that was filed last week, you've got these, they're pushing this conspiracy narrative back into the public view. And that's unfortunate and that's a PR thing, but you know, I feel like we had done, we um, both through the uh, uh, public consciousness, maybe talking about this a little bit in the right way without talking about details of the lawsuit or details of your client representation, that people were beginning to realize that this may not have been what um, the left would like you to think it was. And it's not what the right would like you to think about. This, this, this right-wing you know, Antifa FBI thing caused this is, is as infuriating, but there was no conspiracy. There was no plan. Uh, were there professional uh, crowd uh, uh, prodders, uh, people who knew how to excite crowds uh, in, in and around the Capitol? Maybe, but I don't, I don't see them as becoming, you know, um, part of the story here. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of like um, you've got a situation where um, Enrique Terrio is about to get out of jail and cooperate with the uh, House uh, committee, which he wants to very much to do. He's not gonna hide. He, he's been a, a proactive um, uh, uh, participant in all but one of the lawsuits. I, I think he needs to make appearances in these lawsuits and, and tell his side of the story. I don't think he's gonna speak for the Proud Boys. Proud Boys is a lot of different things and a lot of different groups at this point, but he's gonna talk about what he was doing what the Proud Boys were doing at the time. And, um, you know, at a, at a time where I think, I thought that, if you will, narrative or some of the public consciousness about what really happened that day, you've got these, you know, very um, morally superior lawsuits, you know, like by, by the District of Columbia government. And of all things, they want the Proud Boys to pay for uh, the overtime for DC cops. The Proud Boys is not a good source for that. <laughs> yeah, I think we can both agree with that. Well, Proud Boys is, um, I, I, Proud Boys uh, in general is not like where I would go to. Uh, I don't think that's the deep pocket. I think uh, Attorney General Rancine said, 
um, uh, you know, bankrupting the Proud Boys, you know, that's always a good day. They've never been anything but close. But, to <laughs> yeah, um, um, bless their hearts. But they, but they, they do have a good attitude. Dan, take a breath, have a smoke. You have, I think people are really going to be fascinated with what you're talking about today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and, and, Clint, and Jeremy uh, uh, cleaned it up, you know, for my mom and, you know. Ah, you did okay. You did fine. We're still on. This is going to be part of it. We're not off yet. Uh, I just, um, I want to thank you for pushing me to, to follow up on this because a lot of people who follow me on social media are interested in this issue and at the end of the day, you know, if I just inevitably people are going to start in the comments where we post this, hey, you know, he he's he's not being uh, straightforward. He's compromised. He one thing about about Dan that nobody can deny. And you think I'm going to say something different from what you think I'm going to say. I think I'm going to say you're a great guy. And you're a straight shooter. It's not what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is by taking on these defendants. You have made a gigantic statement and it is you've burned quite a few relationships or they have those relationships have decided that you've burned them by virtue of your taking on these cases. Isn't that true? I um, I'm here. I'm, I'm involved in this primarily as a lawyer who has a lot of experience in uh, federal courts, uh, both civil and criminal and, and some free speech background. But I am also, when I'm on the phone, I mean, I'll just be honest, when I'm on the phone with the lawyers for the Committee on Civil Rights or the staff of the House Committee, I am an ambassador for these people. And it's not hard to do it. Um, so I think, hopefully they're somewhat surprised that you know who, who I am, I don't tell them I'm an old lefty or anything like that. But they need to know this is a group problem solving thing and not just like, a, a war of uh, uh, people who will not change their mind or listen to the other side. Um, this is, you know, th this this whole thing is, um, uh, it's the place of definitions. It's what, you know, who we are as Americans and maybe we can like get together and kind of like, you know, listen to, get rid of some of these really radical conspiracy theories on both sides and kind of figure out what really happened here and, and then why, why? I mean, this is not, um, as you know, I'm very proud of the fact that my family's been here a very long time. They fought on both sides. Of, they fought on both sides of the Revolutionary War. I found out a year ago. Um, geez, both sides of the Civil War. Um, this is an important exercise for me, and I don't, I don't see why we can't kind of you know come to a meeting of the minds. Certainly, geographic ignorance, as for lack of a better words, of what people are like in other states. And the internet, ironically, has not helped us. I've talked about that before. Everybody has been reduced to cartoon characters. It's a, or, you know, um, stereotypes. Um, and, and, and that's not right. But yeah, I, 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 I look at this as a way to help. But um, it, it's not like a totally, you know, uh, it's not a totally a pro bono thing. <laughs> and we need, um, we do need, and you can talk about whether or not um, uh, you and Jeremy about whether that's a good thing to talk about this, but we need, um, we know there's lots of support financially out there for these guys, but they're very, very difficult in managing it and keeping the money once you get it. And uh, we have to, we haven't figured that out yet. 
Um, these guys are pretty good fundraisers, but there was a, a rash of articles recently and one yesterday about all these fundraisers. Well, the fundraisers are, you know, some are more legitimate than others, some are more effective, but really smart people with money who want to support uh, a group like uh, Proud Boys with the ideas that they have are probably not going to go out on a fundraiser and put their name and email out on there. They're going to, they want to contribute different ways. So somebody has to, uh, somebody smarter than me about these things has to figure out a way to um, uh, get money to these people. There is money for these people so they can be defended. And that's a big problem with this. We have, a, you know, we have a, a access to courts argument is like coming into my mind. It's, it, it, these guys, you know, criminal lawyers, uh, defense lawyers, um, some of them are public defenders, some of them are in the CGA program. I'm a retained one. Uh, even if you drop your rate, it's expensive to do litigation, and there's no reason why we should be shutting down funds and caches of funds for people in America who need legal representation. And I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that I, I think there, and I think there are people on the court liberal side who agree with that. We shouldn't be shutting down these uh, sources of funds, particularly given the resources that the Justice Department has and has always had to bring these kinds of cases. This is a this is a war where, uh, to the extent it is a war, where uh, the defense needs to have a, you know an even playing field by virtue of being able to have a war chest. Uh, the hours put into these cases are astronomical. And and the, and work and um, in fact, yeah, so, so, somebody recently inquired with me about one of these cases and asked me what I thought the budget would be, and I gave her a very rough estimate. And I said, "I'm always low, but you're talking this order of magnitude." And she was astonished. <laughs> Why are you astonished? You're fighting the government. They have no budgetary considerations at all. That's the first thing you need to know when figuring out your budget, which is that it's your budget versus infinity budget. Yeah, I'm not talking about me or my budget and how I'm, you know what I, I can. I, yeah, I'm not talking I'm about, not talk about it and have charged a general counsel, but this is even on a lower rate for a business to business case that would go on this, this long um, between lawyers and what they're doing. This is um, somewhere between a half million to a million dollar budget for every one of these defendants. I'm sorry, who, who's, who's you know charged with conspiracy and obstruction? This is uh, and and uh, you know you want good people will be attracted to it. Um, yes, I think there's a need for this so that it go, figures into my rate. But um, you know you need you need hunting dogs for this, and and they like money. Dan, thanks. A million for everything. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, thank. I hope, I hope that that helped you. I, you uh, helped me. It did. This is a great episode. A great yeah, episode. Yeah, well, we'll try try to make me look uh, halfway sane, and I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll talk again soon. Later. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.
day.